Well, um, many people have asked about what is health communication and how does it fit in in public health, especially when compared to uh, terminology such as health promotion, uh, health education, um, health interventions, um, and health persuasion. Um, by and large, um, the answer is it is the umbrella to all of those because if you think about um, promotion or education, what you are doing in either case is communicating. And communication in itself is a scientific discipline that uses particular formulas and strategies and theories to explain what occurs between two or multiple people. It is not uh, brand new to know about this, although the discipline as an academic um, science is fairly new. It basically exists only since the uh, sort of 1940s, 50s, when the first uh, communication theories were um, coined and discussed. But if you think back to ancient times, even the old Greeks have already understood and um, aimed to perfect the idea of rhetoric. Rhetoric being basically um, the notion of convincing people through speech um, about the position or opinion that you hold. Um, dialectic principles are also nothing new to the old Greeks, which is basically the idea of using uh, conversations um, or looking at conversations as a give and take between groups or two uh, people. That this hasn't been discussed much um, in public health um, shouldn't surprise um, because public health um, is wholeheartedly um, a discipline that belongs to the health and medical and biological sciences. And communication, um, by and large, is um, an idea that exists in the social sciences, but more often than not in the humanities, because it happens exclusively between humans. And so humanities studies um, are what will be quite helpful to understand communication between people and the motivations and demotivations of people to say something, to accept ideas, and to behave as a result of communication experiences and messages that come at somebody. On the contrary, um, most hard sciences um, have a sort of um, a deductive reasoning approach, meaning that um, science, um, in its capacity to know um, the world around itself um, in a particular discipline, for instance, chemistry or physics, um, does through experimental studies creates um, theories and theorems that then basically need to be tested and tested again to be either falsified or verified in a particular way. As a result, most of the research that is done um, that has to do with um, health promotion, health persuasion, um, follows these sort of principles. Um, the key term used here is the randomized controlled trial, where basically, not unlike um, other medical experiments, um, particular hypotheses about what the proper behavior should be um, of a particular message or intervention that comes at a group of respondents um, are put up. So, and then people will be separated, so target groups, so that is, 
will be separated into control groups and experimental groups, which basically means um, the experimental group are the kinds of uh, groups that will be exposed to a particular kind of message um, or intervention. A control group gets either a very different um, uh, message or none at all. Um, and then um, the, these two groups will be tested on their either attitudes or behavioral responses um, prior to and right after this particular intervention has occurred. Um, this will then either um, verify or falsify the hypothesis, which is again a statement that basically says if x then y, or if x then not y. So if I say something to a group of people um, who could benefit from obesity prevention ideas, um, and I use particular uh, message with particular suggestions, then they will either follow this accordingly and will, I don't know, go exercise or eat certain foods and stop eating other foods or whatnot, um, or not. And so the story goes, it goes around and around. When you think about that in a little more detail, um, you realize quite quickly that um, the humanitarian aspect um, of a person is somewhat taken out of the equation. So people are basically um, groups um, or subjects um, that respond in kind or not um, to a particular structured um, intervention. Um, there is very little um, interest and um, um, direction to basically involve people in a participatory fashion. In other words, we do not necessarily want to hear from people of why they are in a particular situation that has to do with their personal health, what they think about their personal health or health in general, and in addition, what they think about uh, particular ideas of how to overcome a problematic health situation. So to be precise here, if we stay with the example of obesity, um, the idea, of course, would be um, now, if I um, have a weight problem and are pre-diabetic or have other health concerns related to um, the future or the present in terms of my you know, um, weight and eating and exercise scenario, um, what do I think about that in the first place? So do I see this as a huge problem um, or do I think I'm actually feeling okay about it and it is not that important to me? In, and in addition, what would I do about it? You know, could I suggest something, um, what I want to do about it? Or do I have particular questions? Do I have particular um, requests of what should happen and who should be the one um, who should discuss with me what's going on? These whole notions of a, a sort of more inductive approach to research and practice, which basically means I approach a problem situation, and by and large, lifestyle diseases in public health are so-called wicked problems. So it is um, not an easy solution in the first place. But an inductive researcher uh, or methodologist um, would approach the situation with sort of like a blank slate. In other words, I don't have a prefixed idea of what the solution to this is or could be, but I basically recognize that there is a situation that needs some remedy 
and I want to engage a particular set of stakeholders, and that can be quite diverse, so it doesn't have to be the so-called patients or target consumers, but it could be other groups that have a stake in that situation, such as, for instance, I don't know, um, food manufacturers, um, gyms and personal trainers, um, politicians and policymakers or bureaucrats, and the list goes on. And I will engage them in a particular dialogical situation or a communicative situation which more often than not takes the form of sort of ethnographic or deep interviews where we build relationships and reports and then as a result of that being in a somewhat trusting relationship have then an open and fair discussion about this topic at hand. Having done enough of those conversations may that be through individual interviews or group sessions um, we'll come to a particular uh, sort of status quo or fork in the road where we have a better understanding of why people think about a certain health concern in a certain light and why they do or do not respond in kind to existing health intervention messages. Um, that in the, in the sequence then would lead to um, collaborative uh, solution finding um, there is a discipline called uh, community-based participatory research or community action uh, approaches where basically entire groups uh, and communities is a loosely defined term so we don't really mean sort of you know towns and villages um, that could be lifestyle communities that could be neighborhood communities that could be interest groups etc um, why they will be quote-unquote recruited or asked um, to send um, representatives or if it's a small group all of them um, who then together with those who started this whole process either an academic group or a you know health um, government or non-government entity and then based on these initial findings find potential solutions to that that will hopefully then lead to more agency and buy-in of those groups because they basically create sort of help for self-help um, and so they have probably um, a large a, a greater incentive to not only commence or start um, a changed um, process so usually you know do new things engage in new behavior so eat better exercise more whatever it might be and in this example of obesity um, but it also has a chance to be sustainable and this is an important um, aspect of the whole picture simply because sustainability is often the problem with even those um, um, research projects that initially um, show some um, um, some sort of progress or some, some sign of success because they usually are um, funded by either government or private um, research money and when this money runs out and this is usually either a year or at least a few years um, then usually these initial successes go away too because um, the researchers or the um, um, you know community workers um, being coming from those initial groups, either academic or government, will walk away and with them the idea walks away. And that of course is a sad situation. I want to highlight another um, important aspect here that I touched upon just a few minutes ago and this is the idea of people not responding to 
including well-financed um, and well-conceptualized and very creative intervention messages. That whole notion um, of not doing this um, is known as health resistance. Um, so this is not so like this flat-out les miserables, you know, on the barricades, um, resisting um, either verbally or behaviorally um, um, the message and sending ugly, um, you know, emails or uh, notes to those entities who make those interventions. But it is more um, so like a, a benign ignorance um, of the intervention altogether. So I basically live my life um, the way I lived it all along without, um, with or without that message um, that comes at me. So I have been exposed to it, but it has made no difference in my life. Now, why is that? Um, there is a few arguments or, um, um, I guess, opinions about that. Um, one is, of course, the idea um, that people um, have an intricate sense of agency or um, to say that, you know, in a simpler way, um, nobody tells me how I should live my life. I'm my own boss. Um, and so that is a bit of a problem because most of these messages come across as some sort of um, educational, if not um, sort of instructional um, um, context or, or um, a mantle, which means, uh, which sort of exposes those message creators as some sort of... Um, so like a parent um, type um, relationship idea towards these publics. In other words, it suggests this stereotypical idea of the nanny state um, of where those who have the knowledge need to let those who supposedly do not have the knowledge know what is good and what is bad for them and how they should act in order to um, not have a problem. And that, of course, rubs most people the wrong way, and they react to that quite negatively. I mean, wouldn't you do that, too, if um, throughout the whole day people would ask you to do certain things in a certain way because you don't know how to do that right, and I need to tell you perpetually how you should live your life? Um, the other idea, and this is paired with, of course, this concept, is that there are quite a few groups out there who have already an inherent suspicion of governments, um, of science, um, and of um, those entities that live on the threshold between science and, um, and of course, public health and, and government activity, which, of course, flows in this topic here in, in, in form of health policy. Um, again, the nanny state is evoked here as well, but the other way, of course, is that um, I don't know if there is a hidden motive or if, for instance, people say something, people being you know, sort of government or bureaucratic entities because um, they benefit from me reacting in kind. So if I were to now, you know, join up um, and do more exercise and pay money for that, then some groups will benefit from it. And maybe those are the groups that have, you know, petition government people accordingly. It seems a bit far-fetched, but you can never sort of throw that completely aside. The other uh, third aspect is, of course, that health resistance is really just a result of the message coming at people not being seen as important as those who create this message look at it. It seems, of course, quite daunting um, because we all in our professional and private lives think that what we think is important is important to everybody else in the same way. 
You know, as an academic, um, I cannot fathom that people are not interested in science, especially the science that I'm interested in, like communication. You know, why don't you study communication and try to be the best communicator you can be? Well, the simple answer, of course, is that people have a life to live. And so between the kids and, you know, soccer and other practice of the kids and school and work um, and, and going shopping and planning vacations and dealing with debt and all these other things that happen um, in, the daily, um, in daily lives, um, this idea of dealing with lifestyle issues, you know, and I call them issues because um, most what we call lifestyle or non-communicable diseases aren't really diseases yet for the majority of the population. So if I smoke and drink alcohol excessively, I'm not necessarily having all these health consequences. And usually people deal with their personal health at the point in which that's no longer there. Um, now, I'm not saying that nobody prevents. You know, there is quite a lot of people out there who do try to live healthy, to eat healthy, to not, um, you know, consume unhealthy products. Um, and overall, you know, try to stay fit uh, until an old age. That's really not the point. But the point is that if I have health, um, I do not make it the center of my daily thinking. And so if I can't make it the center of my daily thinking, then consequently, um, any message that has to do with these topics is also um, forgotten quite quickly, not realized as much. And if you only contrast it or connect it with what I've just said before, mainly, um, that um, I don't feel really good about how you're talking to me, so this is a communication thing, which completely forgets the ideas of rhetoric and dialectics, what I've talked about in the beginning, um, and the idea of how I can persuasively communicate um, and take you serious as um, a partner in my communication. If you pair this with the idea of that the topic itself is not that important to me, then you can easily understand of why a lot of people um, do not respond instantly to the good message that comes at them from the health governments and so and, and other entities who think that um, they've just created the best message since sliced toast. Um, to end this whole thing, um, there is um, another speech coming up about um, that to respond properly, um, according to those who make health communication messages, you also have to be quite rational in the way you process the message and the content of the message. And I think that's another problem in and of itself, that um, for the majority of our daily lives, um, we don't really are sort of rational actors. We don't really cognitively think everything through, try to make sense of it, weigh the consequences and the pros and cons. And as a result of all of that, we then make um, the best possible decision to act according to what came out of all this cognitive deliberation. That's usually not the case and that's a problem in and of itself. But for now, uh, the summary of all of this is, is that health communication is an umbrella concept that encompasses all of the persuasion, education stuff, um, and we'll say much, much more about that in another um, podcast. For now, note that um, health communication as it is today practiced by a lot of groups um, has problems. And the problems lie partially with those who create the message and partially with not understanding what is important for people when communicated to. And I think that leads us to an interesting discussion. I'd like to hear from people about that initially, um, and we'll move that to another day, um, and I'll see you then.